The Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network College Football Edition is presented by The Rebel Walk. For the best coverage of Ole Miss sports visit www.therebelwalk.com. We are also brought to you by, I'm Changing the Narrative. Our mentor and dear friend, Rachel Barbo started this movement to improve the lives of current and former athletes. To learn more visit www.imchangingthenarrative.org. We are also brought to you by, Quick Cuts Media. Whether you are looking to produce business-to-business or business-to-consumer media for your employees, vendors, and customers can be a wonderful experience with the right partner. Learn how to win with us at www.quickcutsmedia.com. And we are also brought to you by, our good friend, David Walker. Head over to Amazon today and pick up your copy of his amazing book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. Coming up next is the Crunch Time Express. Your VIP pass has been approved so all aboard. In this episode, we will be breaking down our featured college football games of the week. We have you covered on every angle. I will update you on any late-breaking news and expected weather forecast. Billy will give you the opening lines and totals and if there are any significant line movements. In the final segments, we hand the show over to our senior analyst, Kenneth, for the best game breakdown and analysis. In the final segment is the game of the week breakdown. Kenneth will give you the best insight around and his keys to victory for both teams. Webster defines crunch time as a critical moment or period, like the end of a game, when decisive action is needed. Every sports fan knows this time in the game. Your palms sweat a little bit more, your heart races just a little bit faster, and you live and die with every play until the final seconds tick off the clock and you're either celebrating a victory or disappointed by the defeat. The team at Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network understands just how critical these moments are. For us, it begins as soon as the next set of games are on the board. We evaluate the opening lines and any breaking news throughout the week. We cover each game inside and out, whether it's from inside the locker room to a huddle down on the field, the court, or the ice. We take you inside the meeting room with scouts, coaches, and executives. We have our fingers on the pulse of all the sports that we cover, the National Hockey League, NBA, college basketball, college football, and the National Football League. We are the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network, and we're here to help you find your sports advantage. After all the data has been crunched, we then turn it over to Kenneth for the best analysis around. His unique perspective in both understanding the data and how it applies to the game and how you win is the Crunch Time Sports Advantage. Are you ready? The Crunch Time Jet is fueled and ready for takeoff, and the Crunch Time Express is about to leave the station. Your VIP pass has been approved, so all aboard. Welcome into this bonus edition of the college football playoffs for 2021. And we are back talking the University of Georgia versus the University of Michigan. We got a lot of uh, interest in this ball game, so we decided to do a bonus edition. So in the upcoming segments, um, after a quick commercial break, you're going to hear from two of my uh, best friends um, covering college football. Covering the University of Georgia perspective is Taylor Bell. Um, Taylor, um, up and coming um, host of his own podcast, um, does a fantastic job giving all of the University of Georgia perspective there. And could not 
um, have a, a balanced podcast without being joined by one of my dear friends, Tabitha West. Tabs is a huge Michigan fan and gives a great insight to what the fans um, are experiencing there with the University of Michigan and her keys to victory uh, for Michigan in this ball game. So after a quick commercial break, you'll hear those two interviews. And then in the final segment, you'll hear me give my final thoughts on this upcoming ball game. If there is anyone who could say, I didn't sign up for this, it's Texas A&M quarterback David Walker. This is the incredible story of Walker's demanding, provocative, bitterly fought career and the most miraculous comeback of all time. Now the hardest fighting Texas A&M Aggie who ever lived reveals his life as the A&M field general inside the cold-blooded arena of college football. Join fans now in discovering the most disturbingly fascinating career in NCAA history with the youngster who lived it, including unique stories of a superb high school coach and the all-time game-changers for Aggie football, the Wishbone Gang. Walker is the only college-level quarterback to ever publish a book based on his experiences in amateur athletics and remains the youngest starting college quarterback ever. He held the single-season passing record at Sulphur High for 40 years and the single-game QB rushing record at Texas A&M for 35 years, a true dual-threat quarterback. Enjoy the flavor of Southwest Louisiana and the adopted Texas swagger in his unique voice as he takes you down a one-of-a-kind path you could never imagine possible in the modern era of college football. In so doing you will uncover what may be the best amateur sports story of all time how David Walker met the greatest challenge in NCAA history. Head over to Amazon today and pick up your copy. It is walking to the beat of your own drum, walking the walk, not just talking the talk. It's the walk of champions. It's the walk across the stage that forever makes Ole Miss your beloved alma mater. The Rebel Walk exists to bring fresh, unique content to Ole Miss readers. While we are certainly focused on all Rebel sports, we are also interested in taking a walk that is a little off the beaten path, producing high-quality stories you simply cannot get elsewhere. Those of us involved in the Rebel Walk make this promise to our readers, we vow to look harder and delve deeper into topics that matter to Ole Miss Rebels. You can follow Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and the Rebel Walk at The Rebel Walk and their fantastic website at www.therebelwalk.com. We are happy to have you on the journey with us. The mission of Unchanging the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as inspiration for students, professionals and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion and platform. Rachel Barbo brings positivity and purpose to students, professionals and parents across the country through her movement Unchanging the Narrative. Presented in an encouraging and supportive environment, Rachel speaks about the power to change the narrative and to find purpose in life. In 55 minutes, Rachel covers themes such as leadership, mental health, self-care, domestic violence prevention, social justice and interpersonal relationships. Everyone is challenged to live a life of purpose, passion and platform. To learn more please visit unchangingthenarrative.org. While our team's professional experience dates back to the 1980s, Quick Cuts Media has been producing business-to-business and business-to-consumer media since the fall of 2011. Professionally produced media is essential in today's business environment. Successful companies value an educated workforce and informed vendors and clients. Whether your business is service or product-based, let us produce your business-to-business and business-to-consumer media in a budget-conscious way to help you get the most out of your media production dollars. Our systematic approach with actors, graphics, added video, and high-impact text will help you educate, inform, and excite your audience. We will deliver to you a professional video for your business in a week. Whether it is a learning management system content or training, corporate culture or marketing the team at Quick Cuts Media will be here to give you exactly what you need. 
For more information, please contact us at 844-277-2887 or visit us at www.quickcutsmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome in a longtime friend of mine, huge Michigan fan, Miss Tabs. Tabs, let's get into it because I know Michigan fans have been celebrating Christmas for about a month now with that big <laughs> win over um, conference rival Ohio State. So welcome into the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network. Let's talk some Wolverine football here. Yes, sir. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Like I said, uh, I've been seeing messages from all of my Michigan uh, fans, and you guys, just to say, are getting a little gift back to Ohio State for about eight years' worth of pain and suffering has not stopped, and I don't think it's going to stop until that game kicks off um, sometime late next year. That's pr- that's true. We will continue to celebrate that for an entire year. <laughs> well, and, and, and very well-deserved. Great game by... <laughs> All phases of um, that Michigan team, not just the offense, defense, special teams, great team effort, uh, great job by the coaches, coaching staff uh, to manage that game from start to finish. And even though Ohio State was kind of creeping back into that game, never allowed them to take the lead. So great job by Coach Harbaugh and that entire staff. I agree. They did a they did a bang up job on that one. And then. Not having the letdown the following week um, in Indianapolis, first ever trip going to the Big Ten championship game, facing an Iowa team that we know have been gritty and gutty all season long, knocking off two uh, top ten teams. Michigan was not going to be denied in that ball game. Fantastic job again by Coach Harbaugh saying we have bigger goals to accomplish, not just beating Ohio State. Yeah, right. That was I think that was the only concern I had going into that game was the focus of the team after having after such a high. Um, we've seen it before. Teams will come back and and lose games they shouldn't lose after a win like that. So and there wasn't any sign of that anywhere. Absolutely dominating performance um, yes. thereby um, a Heisman uh, runner up in yeah. Aiden Hutchinson. Um, the last time I think a Michigan player had been that close to winning a Heisman trophy was a guy that I know very well named Charles Woodson. So um, love number two there for um, the Wolverines and getting a chance to uh, message back and forth with Charles. I don't think there's anybody more excited about Michigan playing in the college football playoffs than some of those former players like Charles, like uh, Desmond. And a certain um, Thomas Brady, I think, has been um, all over the place. letting everybody know um, the Wolverines are in the playoffs and not um, that team from Columbus. So right. uh, exciting times there for Michigan. Tab, let's get into a little bit of what you've seen from the team from start to finish. Um, had the hiccup there with Michigan State, but yeah. was able to come back and not go into the tank um, as, as 
as we've seen some teams do, really rally, um, had a lot to play for, and just really got themselves back into the college football playoff picture. Yeah, I think um, the game against Michigan State, the defense was definitely having some issues, and Michigan State took advantage of that. I think they scored five touchdowns just off of our defense, not getting out on the field, not being in position. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that was – and it was fixed the next – time we took the field and we haven't seen it since which I was really happy about Um, because in the past we've seen issues like that and they just seem to carry on throughout the entire season without getting fixed so um, and that is McDonald's first year in college um, Mm -hmm. making the change from NFL to college and from what I understand there's some differences there that might have impacted you know why might have been why that was happening and contributing to that but they fixed it um you know, the one I noticed from the first week, the, our very first game, uh, there are players just didn't quit when somebody would come to tackle them or they they were fighting for extra yards every single time. I noticed that the first week and I was like, OK, this is this year is going to be different. These guys are balling. I mean, they they don't just lay down on the field when they get touched or, you know, so and it held true all season. And I mean, they're hungry. <laughs> they were hungry. <laughs> And Tabs, I got to tell you, I love that that running back duo of um, yeah. Haskins and Corum. Um, kind of uh, Michigan's version of a thunder and lightning, if you will. Right. Um, Haskins is going to be that sledgehammer and just say, you know what, it's going to take three or four guys to get me down. And just when the defense thinks that they get a break when he comes off the field, that lightning bug of Blake Corum go, goes right. in. And if you give him a crease – um, he's going to go hit his head on the goalpost and put up six for Hill to the victors there. Yeah, they're outstanding, both of them. I mean, Haskins is just so much fun to watch. He's just, I mean, he took a whole pile with him one time. I don't know how many yards. And mm-hmm. that was great because you. I even saw a quarterback, Cade, jumped in the pile and was pushing too, you know. It's just like. And, and speaking of Cade, mm-hmm. wasn't expected to be the starter going into the year. Mm-hmm. Earned that job um, in, in fall camp and really hasn't let up since he's gotten in there. Right. Maybe not putting up the flashy numbers, but what we're not seeing is him making the huge mistakes Correct. that we've seen some quarterbacks make. So right. he's playing the game the way Coach Harbaugh wants him to play it, I think. Exactly. He Take is. care of the ball. Yep. And when there's a big play to be made, go make it. And right. I think that this offense would look a whole lot different had Ronnie Bell not gotten injured um, early yeah. on in the season. I think that Michigan would have been a little bit more explosive. Right. But when he went down, and great job by Harbaugh and, and Josh Gaddis uh, to say, let's tailor the offense to what is the best part of our team. That's that offensive line in that run game. Exactly. Right. And I know a lot of Michigan fans were – just mad that that there wasn't a fancy passing game going on and, and all that fun stuff. But what we were doing was productive and consistent all season and it worked. So, you know, I, I loved it. I I'm old school. So I like a little old school football like that. So to me, I loved it. Well, uh, I, I tell people, I was like in August, September, and maybe early October, Fancy passing games look great in the Big Ten, but something about when that calendar flips 
once we get past Halloween, and I'm familiar with with that weather up there, it becomes what we right. call Big Ten weather. Right. Um, it's not temperatures in the 60s and 70s anymore. It's temperatures in the 30s and 20s. And you better have an offensive run game that can push that defensive line off the ball and that running back can get five, six yards and keep the chains moving. And speaking of the best offensive line in college football, the Joe Moore award-winning Michigan Wolverines, um, bringing home that prestigious award as the best offensive line in all of college football. Great job by those um, five um, great offensive linemen and the offensive line coach there for Michigan. Right. Absolutely. Phenomenal. And, and Sharon Moore, that was his first year coaching the line. Mm-hmm. And that was, and, you know, <laughs> I love it. So Michigan fans got a lot to be excited about. And for the first time since we've started the college football playoffs, the Michigan Wolverines, Uh, get to be one of the four representatives, and they're taking on a fantastic team there in the Georgia Bulldogs. Tabs, everybody that's going to be covering this game is going to be talking about Aiden Hutchinson, and and rightfully so. That young man has had a great senior season, expected to be a high draft pick um, in next year's draft along with David Ajabo, uh, the other defensive end. But the two guys that I'm going to really love talking about and names that you're not going to hear a whole lot. Donovan Jeter and Christopher Hinn. Those are the two inside tackles that keep the middle of that offensive line occupied so Aiden and um, David can rush from the outside. Right. What have you seen from this Michigan defensive line over the season? Just the consistency, I mean, and the uh, – Every single, every down, it, it's all, it's, they're all out. I mean, they're, there's nobody take, I don't see anybody taking a down off. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. they are just, it's, they're focused and they have, their vision is where it needs to be, their feet, you know, everything about them. It's, it's just been, it's been beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, and for, for Michigan fans, this is kind of what you wanted to see, um, the evolution of Coach Harbaugh. Right. A very physical team on both sides of the line of scrimmage, not just the offense, but the defense as well, and kind of protecting your your young quarterback. I know Cade's a junior, but not a lot of playing experience, so you didn't want to throw him out there where everything is on his shoulders, like we saw with Ohio State and um, their phenomenal quarterback, but so much of the pressure was on that kid, C.J. Stroud, because that Ohio State defense wasn't as good as we've seen over the past few years. Right. Michigan, on the other hand, could lean on their defense a whole lot throughout the season and say, hey, Kate, just don't make the huge mistake. We have a great defense, a great running game. Keep us in the ball game, and we'll find a way to pull it out. Right. Yes, sir. Love what I've seen from um, the two secondary players. Uh, Brad Hawkins and Daxton Hill um, reminds me, played a different position there at Michigan, but a guy named Ty Law, Um, not just a cover guy, but a guy would come up and introduce a sledgehammer to a running back um, if need be. And both of these safeties will have no problem uh, meeting those Georgia running backs in this uh, ball game in Miami coming up next Friday night. Right. Right. So, Tabs, I got to get your thoughts. Um, 
on this game coming up, what are some of the keys for you if Michigan is going to go on and play for a national championship January 10th in Tampa? I think if we honestly, if we just keep doing exactly what we've been doing, um, you know, I, I if Cade stays consistent, if he doesn't get out there and throw interceptions, if he protects the ball, Aiden and Ojabo and all the, the O-line, they all do their – I mean, if everybody just does their jobs, I Haskins, Corn, yeah, everybody, the tight ends, everybody, they just do – They if we stay consistent and we keep doing what we've been doing and we stay focused, um, I don't – I don't. I'm not worried about it too much. I mean, if, I, I could see us winning the game. I will say I've already been on the record here for for the past week. I, I told people as soon as that line came out on, on Selection Sunday, I liked Michigan plus the eight um, when that game was listed. But as I got into doing some of the numbers and breaking down this Michigan defense and um, the Georgia defense, both phenomenal defenses, sure. I thought that Michigan had a slighter edge based on the fact that they're able to get pressure on the opposing quarterback without having to blitz. Now, Michigan will blitz. Uh, right. As I've told people, Mike McDonald, um, Coach McDonald comes from the Baltimore Raven defense where uh, he's been under a mentor of mine in uh, Don Wink Martindale for the past six years. You will see blitzes coming from every angle, including the cheerleaders, the right. band, and um, the, the training staff. Um, Coach McDonald's got a few blitz packages in his pocket that he hasn't shown yet. I, think I was just going to say. <laughs> I think he's going to pull out a couple of those right. um, this this um, ball game with Georgia to where you're not going to be sure exactly where the pressure is coming from. Right. And it's all going to be designed to free up Aiden and David to where they can get a free, a free rush on the quarterback and if they're able to create some kind of turnover, whether it's a strip sack, whether it's a quarterback releasing the ball just a tick or two early, yeah, overthrows, and one of those defensive backs is able to pick it off and create a short field for this Michigan offense, I think that's where Michigan has a little bit of an advantage over the Georgia defense. I like Michigan in this ball game to go on and face the University of Alabama January 10th for the biggest trophy of them all in college football. Right. Two iconic brands, two iconic programs yeah. playing for the national championship. Both teams got to take care of business in this uh, semifinals, but right. I like Michigan's chances in this ball game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think yeah. I might have just earned some really good will with all the Michigan fans yeah. <laughs> uh, with, with that prediction. So I'll be expecting all of my Michigan gear before the game kicks off. Right, right. <laughs> well, Tabs, my friend, tell everybody where they can follow you on Twitter. And hopefully we'll be able to catch up soon on maybe a national championship edition of the uh, Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network podcast. Yes, sir. Um, at tabs go blue. That's my, that's, I had to look it up to make sure I had it right, but yeah, at tabs go blue. <laughs> at tabs go blue on Twitter, guys. Give tabs a follow if you're looking 
how to kind of poke at your rival, she will gladly give you all the insiders and pointers that you could ever need. Tabs, it has been a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Wishing you and your uh, wonderful family there a wonderful and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and I'll be talking with you soon. Thanks, you too. All right. Guys, that was my good friend Tabs uh, joining us here on the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network. We'll be right back with the rest of the um, podcast. And I want to welcome in one of my dearest friends in this entire industry, Taylor Bell. You can follow Taylor on Twitter at TaylorBell222. Taylor, always good to talk with you, my friend. Hopefully you and the family have had a great Christmas. I know you got a big bowl game coming up on tomorrow night. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's been a long enough down period definitely for me at this point. It's, it's, I'm just ready for them to tee it up and get this game going at this point. All right, so let's take a look back at the, the regular season. You and I talked right about four months ago as the season was getting ready to kick off, talking about the importance of Georgia finally knocking off one of those upper three programs in Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. Well, you went to Charlotte, North Carolina, absolutely got the job done. A lot on the defensive side of the ball game, but as we said, by hook or by crook, needed to win that ball game. You and I also talked about if Georgia was able to run the regular season table, that regardless of what happened in the SEC championship game, they would find themselves in the playoffs. Just kind of give me and the listeners your thoughts on the regular season from where this team started and where they finished up the regular season uh, with that final game with Georgia Tech. I really liked what I saw on a consistent basis from the defense all season long up until what we saw in Atlanta. There was definitely just a a variety of, different schemes that this team went up against, whether it was the tempo uh, with Tennessee that they went up against or the kind of cerebral side of the game against Florida and then some of these big physical teams as well in the SEC that we that we saw with Auburn, for example. And there mm-hmm. was and this team just showed resilience on the on the defensive side of the ball and seemed largely prepared. I was very pleasantly surprised with how well the young secondary was able to handle some of these teams. And I, I liked that we were able to use a lot more zone this year than previous years under mm-hmm. Kirby Smart defenses. As far as the, the offensive side of the ball, just from what we dealt with as a fan base with the uh, James Coley offense, seeing any kind of explosive play is a great sight to see. And now we mm-hmm. got that and then some with the emergence of guys like Ladd McConkey and Brock Bowers and into this offense who were definitely guys that heading into the season, I, I did not expect to kind of be the main contributors, but that uh, was something that was a pleasant surprise for the Georgia offense and mm-hmm. didn't really expect Stetson Bennett to be at the helm of the offense like he was, but you can't really blame Kirby Smart too much for that considering we were able to run the table in the regular season and end up in the college football playoff. Absolutely. And um, Tyler, something you and I talked about, um, we didn't get to see the full complement of this Georgia offense. One, George Pickens uh, missed most of the season, and I'm really going to say all of the season because the George Pickens that we were expecting to see in, were expecting to see this year, we were never going to get to see just coming off of that ACL injury. Of course, JT going down uh, very early on in the season with 
that core lat muscle injury. And as I told people all year long, that's not a two or three week injury. That is a three to four month injury. It's not like you can go shoot that up or uh, put some extra padding on it. It affects your entire core. So I felt like this offense really emerged under Stetson Bennett. And like you mentioned, the phenomenal freshman, uh, Brock Bowers, how this kid was not on the Mackey Award list still boggles my mind. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a case of where they kind of like to show some diversity across different conferences of talent. And I think we saw a little, they get a little bit SEC heavy, but I think it was just the, the craziest thing to me that I still look at is how Brock, Brock was, wasn't by no means a, a former walk-on or anything like that, but he was not a, an extremely highly touted recruit coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. And he's making this kind of impact as a freshman. So it's kind of one that, in a way, kind of similar to the A.D. Mitchell situation, you think the talent agencies kind of missed out on a little bit. But right. I just love the, the, the element that that tight end – play has brought to this offense and I think that's really going to be a key heading into this game against Michigan as well all right we got to talk about um just give me your overall thoughts from uh that SEC championship game uh Georgia jumps out in front to a 10 nothing lead uh winds up losing that game by 17 what were just some of the things that you saw from the offensive side and then we'll flip it over to the defense I think from the offensive side, I, I liked what I saw from the running game early. I wish they would have stuck more with that. Obviously, when you're giving up explosive plays, you're kind of put in a position to where you have to pass. But I think the biggest thing that caused issues on the offensive side of the ball was the the, the lack of execution in the red zone. We saw not only not lack of touchdowns, but there were turnovers and plenty of points left on the board, especially mm-hmm. in the second half. And I and turnovers lose you football games that's pretty much sums it up and then the uh, icing on the cake I think what really sealed the game was the uh, pick six from Christian Harris but I liked the the stuff that we saw with in the screen game with McConkey. obviously I think you got to run if you if there if you get another shot against Alabama you have to run the offense through Brock Bowers he was just the guy that mm-hmm. consistently was making play after play and I I was very um, pleasantly surprised at how well I, I don't think Will Anderson had anything crazy on the stat sheet until the uh, the, the uh, very end of the game when it was pretty much out of reach. So I think we did a pretty good job of limiting him. But it's the biggest thing from the offense is you got to have a little bit more explosiveness to play with those uh, top tier teams, and obviously you got to cut down on the turnovers, which was the biggest issue from uh, the SEC championship game. Right, and that that pick six was by uh, safety uh, Jordan Battle there. Jordan um, Battle, thank you. Right, no, no worries. Uh, and you're right, as far as the Will Anderson stat line, uh, six tackles, one sack, uh, two tackles for loss, and one quarterback um, hurry. So, um, good pressure, not the you know back breaking strip sack scoop and score kind of play that you thought uh, would have definitely flipped this game over. Um, Let's talk about who I've said probably is one of the best players to play at the University of Georgia, and I'm including uh, Roquan Smith, who I absolutely love. But N'Kobe Dean is just a different cat. I mean, you want to talk about an alpha dog on your defense, you don't get a whole lot better than what N'Kobe Dean gives you as far as uh, being that um, leader in the front seven. 
Yeah, he's definitely a guy that he's one of the smartest players I've seen at Georgia. He's able to get not only himself in a good position to make plays, he helps his team. He makes his teammates better by getting them lined up correctly and then really diagnosing what the offense is doing before the ball is even snapped. Right. It's just something that is always, I think, been a constant in these defenses with Georgia, especially at the linebacker position, is just the sideline to sideline speed. You can't really stretch him out too much in the with his own running schemes because he can beat the running back to the spot very well, and he does a good job of getting to the spot and using his run fits without over-pursuing, which you see a lot right. from younger linebackers. And I think given his – he's kind of more of the shorter, stockier stature, so he you would kind of expect him to maybe not be as quick with the uh, in pass coverage and maybe against the tight ends or the running backs, but I think he's done a very good job in that. We saw, of course, the interception against Auburn and then the pick six uh, towards the end of the first half against Florida as well. So he's a lot more versatile than I think you would anticipate when you first uh, get a look at him. I've told people he is the prototype of the modern day wheel linebacker where he gives you everything. He gives you blitz ability. He gives you coverage ability. And in your, your specialty packages, when you go nickel and dime, you can absolutely keep him on the field and cover some bigger slot tight ends or even some wide receivers that will play kind of that, um, middle hash of the football field. I absolutely love this guy. And you talked about Brock Bowers. His game in the SEC championship game will get overlooked because Georgia didn't win it, but 10 receptions, 139 yards and a touchdown from your tight end. Absolutely great, um, great production there. And I would be, if I'm a Georgia fan, I would absolutely be salivating to have this kid on the um, field for another couple of years. Exactly. That's that's the icing on the cake of all of it is that he's only he's a true freshman making all these plays. And just I, I love that it's a lot of these tight ends, especially that put up the kind of numbers and the touchdown numbers that Brock has, you would anticipate maybe they're just kind of the Jimmy Graham type, the, the mm-hmm. red zone threat guy. He can make these plays outside of either 20. We saw the great uh, run after the catch ability in multiple right. games this year. And that's something that uh, using him in end rounds, things like that, just adds the element. It's any any time you can put more pressure on the safeties and the linebackers or your opponent that that not only puts the uh, numbers on the stat sheet for him, but I think is really allowed guys like James Cook to excel in this in the offense this year as well. And we'll get into this more in the off season, but certainly it's going to free up. And we're talking just uh, spinning this forward a little bit next year. It's going to allow that quarterback to be able to throw outside of the hashes more because you're going to have the middle of that field where you know that you can always look for him to kind of to kind of pop over the middle of the field. I know a guy like Drew Brees made a living with a guy like Jimmy Graham going even further back, Troy Aikman with uh, Jay Novacek. Having the middle of the field controlled by a good possession wide receiver that can give you a little bit of stretch – freeze up those outside wide receivers so much and in this ball game coming up with Michigan as we kind of kind of set the stage for uh this game kicking off on tomorrow night as we record this um 6 30 central time this Michigan defense what have you seen from that defense that could present uh, a couple of issues for this Georgia offense and we'll we'll flip it over to the other side of the ball 
Obviously, you have to start with Aiden Hutchinson, who I think could very well be the number one overall pick in this next year's NFL draft. Even when he's a guy that even if he doesn't get the the full shed of the right tackle, he's the guy that he's always constantly driving his uh, opponent into the quarterback and affecting the pocket Mm -hmm. to where that's going to take away some throwing lengths, especially with a shorter quarterback like Stetson Bennett. And you've got Ajabo on the other side, who is not quite as good as Hutchinson, but they're they're both very polished, very, uh, very much a, just a physical element that they bring to the to the edge rushing position. Really, is something that you have to be prepared for coming into the game. If you if you come in lackadaisical, if you're Jamari Salyer, if you're Warren McClendon, then you're, you're going to be caught off your feet really early on, and that's a hard thing to come back from in terms of your headspace. But mm-hmm. are like uh, Daxton Hill as well in the back end of the defense. There might not be seeing him play with some of these COVID issues going around, but he's a guy that very similar to a, a Minka Fitzpatrick or a Brian Dawkins, mm-hmm. a little bit less of the enforcer type than Dawkins, but he's a guy that's always seems to be in the right position where the ball is going. And is very disciplined in terms of he, he doesn't really he's a very difficult safety I think to look off if you're trying to throw the ball vertically down the field so he's a guy that I think you really always have to really identify and know where he's at at all times on in the back end of that Michigan defense absolutely and you mentioned um and, and great great um comparison um to kind of like Amika Fitzpatrick um going to be in the right position at the right time. And if he's not uh, able to play, that's going to be a huge loss there for the Michigan defense. Um, let's take a look at this Georgia, Georgia offense. We, we kind of heard whispers that um, JT could be kind of brought in um, kind of like that, that, that what we see in the uh, major league baseball playoffs, when you got a starter and you're in the, in the playoffs and you just put him in the bullpen. Uh, I'm hearing that he may um, may get a lot of run in this ball game, depending on the, the scoring situation. Have you heard anything on that? I have not. I I've really heard the, the emphasis has been that Stetson is the starting quarterback. Even if we do see JT come on the field mm-hmm. at times, it's going to be very much a situational type of um, playing opportunity. And right. I still think it anticipates Stetson uh, by default is going to get more of the snaps. I think mm-hmm. that's just – in a way, it's it's kind of very similar to your scheme and your game plan. You're going to run with what's been working all season long. I under, I really like the vertical passing element that JT brings to the equation, but do you also have to balance that with you don't want to go too much away from what you've been doing all season long and have the your guys thinking too much. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a very talented roster that Georgia has, I think, one of the most talented in the country. You want guys mm-hmm. to be – reading and reacting you don't want guys to be thinking too much and doing too much mental uh, gymnastics pre-snap because that just makes things more complicated than they need to be and like you said i mean if you're thinking you're you're playing slower and i would much rather have 11 guys playing at maximum speed than kind of second guessing themselves and being a step or two slow and being out of position and that's when you see some of those long plays, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. This Georgia offense has been built all year long on that zone run scheme and play action passing. 
it is imperative that Georgia, in my mind, win first and second down with that run game. And we're talking the, that two-headed monster of Zermir White and James Cook. Give me your thoughts on those two running backs and how important it will be for those two guys to get going in the run game early on in the um, ball game. I I think of Zamir White in a way kind kind of like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. He's the guy that's got to come in here and he's got to put his his staff down early in this game, establish the physical element of the game and really t- take take the punch uh this really give the punishment to the Michigan defense early. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that I think Zamir doesn't get a lot of credit for, I think because he's not the flashiest back in the country, but he's really the guy that softens up those defenses, softens up the front sevens, opens up the, not only the running game, but he's great in pass protection as well. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you see, you still want to be, ha- have that passing element, but, it's Georgia football, and it's what we've done all season long. You want to be running game focused. I would love to see even a little bit of maybe some pistol looks with Zamir kind of at the the uh, fullback position in a way. Maybe mm-hmm. I, I just love the element of with the depth that you have in this backfield of pl- having doing a lot of two back looks, a lot of maybe similar personnel, different formations, that kind of thing. But uh, on the other end of the equation, I think the more the more you can use Zamir and James Cook early in this game, I think the more that opens up the play-action game to where you can hit the, the Michigan defense Absolutely. over the top. Absolutely. And being – and this is one one of the things that I've loved about Todd Munkin, um, especially through a big chunk of the season. Once you get that run game going, that's when you can start dialing up some of those long-distant plays uh, that I know Georgia fans wanted to see more of this year. Like I said, without – that number one, and make no mistake, George Pickens is a number one wide receiver. Without having him on the field, especially early on the season, you don't have that chemistry. But if you're able to dictate when you can take that shot with him, based off of that running game and that play-action pass, I think that's when Georgia can go over the top and try to hit one of those game-changing plays. It may not be for a touchdown, but it may pick you up 35, 40 yards where you're not having to grind that out, where you can pick up those huge chunk plays and, and move the ball down the field. Yeah, it's definitely I, – I, I'm a big proponent of hitting an explosive play early. I call them set-the-tone plays mm-hmm. where you can kind of really get your opponent back on their heels. It can be a, a, a big sack on a third and long on the defensive side. It can be, like you said, an explosive pass to George Pickens on the offensive side. Kind of depends, depending on where the coin toss goes, if we're being honest. Right. And I, I think that George is really the, the guy that you look for to make that kind of play. He's been able to show up in big games before. I think we're going to see him a little bit more confident in, in his knee going forward. We've seen the leaping ability, obviously, in the hands are still there. Mm-hmm. Post injury, I think we're going to see a little bit more of um, kind of an, his acceleration off the line and out of his breaks. I think is going to be a lot more sharp in in this uh, Orange Bowl. And here's here's um, flipping it over to the Michigan offense. Uh, two of the best running backs in, in college football with um, Haskins and Corum. Um, kind of like what you have there at Georgia, where Haskins is that that in, be- in, be- in between the tackles. Uh, runner kind of like Zamir is and Coram kind of being that 
perimeter stretch guy, kind of like James Cook. So not an offense that you're unfamiliar with playing, but this offensive line for Michigan, the Joe Moore award-winning um, offensive line, is going to test this Georgia defensive front seven. And it is imperative that Georgia not only um, win some of those matchups, but win a majority of them. Because unlike Alabama, where the advantage was on the outside with the wide receivers, this is going to be a phone booth uh, game as far as that Michigan offensive line and that fantastic front seven, which I've said Georgia all year long has the best front seven in all of college football. I think that's where this game is really going to be won and lost. Exactly. It's it's going to be a, a very physical between the tackles kind of game. I think that's where this game is ultimately decided is in the trenches. I think the game plan against this kind of offense is I think it's it's very similar to what how Michigan's going to try to play Georgia. I think you you really put have, have some heavy boxes, make Kate McNamara have to make some throws. Now they've got some pretty good tight ends there, mm-hmm. so I think that's the 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 lookout point more more than a vertical pass down the field I think they attack the seams a lot with their passing game I still I, I think the uh, the other element is this the uh, running quarterback that they have they really use him as kind of a change up back in, in this Michigan offense and I think the biggest element is going to be is whether it's play action whether it's the motion that they like to run I think it's you can't really fall for the eye candy I still mm-hmm. want to see a lot of man-to-man, I think, really put put the focus on shutting down that running game, get them into third and longs instead of third and me- mediums, third and shorts. And I think that's when the, the front seven of this uh, Georgia defense, whether it's Nolan Smith, Trayvon Walker, or mm-hmm. uh, Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter, just the, na- the names go on and on. I think this is really the kind of game where Jordan Davis shows out and the rest of this front seven makes plays and mm-hmm. they can, they can really start to feast on a, a very, a very talented offensive line that Michigan has. And the backup quarterback for Michigan is JJ McCarthy, uh, basically kind of like, um, kind of like your, your gadget guy, if you will. Uh, my friend uh, won't put you on the spot for, for a, a pick, but I will say what, as always, what are your two or three keys for the University of Georgia to come out of this ball game uh, there in Miami with a win over the Michigan Wolverines? I think this is going to be very much a field position kind of game. So mm-hmm. the teams that can start to win that those battles win. I think the red zone is really what comes down to it. You got to be able to get the touchdowns when you're on offense and Maybe the fields start to flip. Maybe there's a turnover here and there. I think it's on the offensive side, taking advantage of the opportunities that you get. And on the defensive side, maybe we see an interception or a fumble, something like that. The defense in those situations has to be able to minimize the damage and hold the Michigan offense to three. So I think it's just the red zone play in general. And really, I I think the the key to that is using the tight ends a lot Mm -hmm. in the red zone against this Michigan defense. Absolutely. And you got two of the best tight ends in all of college football. We talked a lot about about Bowers, but that big six-foot-seven red zone threat in Washington, um, also a guy that I would look for on like third and medium, um, especially in the middle of the field where the attention may be shifted to Bowers and I can just do a quick pop pass to Washington, throw it up and let that big, that big fella do like you would in um, a basketball game where he's just going up, getting a rebound 
and just keeping those chains moving. I think that this is going to be a very old school game. You got two very old school coaches. Aren't afraid to kind of do some do some changing changing up with offenses, but I think, like you mentioned, very physical. Um, what we call the double chin strap game, where uh, this is not going to be the faint of heart. Where uh, if you don't like contact, this is not the game you're going to want to watch. I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. Taylor, always a pleasure. Let everyone know where they can find you on Twitter and your podcast. And looking forward to a great game, my friend. All righty. You can follow me on Twitter at TaylorBell222. And my podcast is called The Hopeless Sports Magic Podcast. It's available on Anchor. And just as about as many podcasts as you can find, Kenneth, you can find me there as well. Taylor, always a pleasure, my friend. I'm glad you were able to take out a few minutes of your, your busy day getting ready for that game tomorrow night. Enjoy some time with the family. Once again, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, my friend. And I'll be talking with you soon. All righty. Thanks for having me. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Taylor Bell, one of my best friends in this entire business, breaking down the Georgia-Michigan game coming up tomorrow night on ABC. That game is scheduled to kick off at about 7 uh, p.m. The mission of Unchanging the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as inspiration for students, professionals, and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion, and platform. Rachel Barbo brings positivity and purpose to students, professionals, and parents across the country through her movement Unchanging the Narrative. Presented in an encouraging and supportive environment, Rachel speaks about the power to change the narrative and to find purpose in life. In 55 minutes, Rachel covers themes such as leadership, mental health, self-care, domestic violence prevention, social justice, and interpersonal relationships. Everyone is challenged to live a life of purpose, passion, and platform. To learn more please visit unchangingthenarrative.org. While our team's professional experience dates back to the 1980s, Quick Cuts Media has been producing business-to-business and business-to-consumer media since the fall of 2011. Professionally produced media is essential in today's business environment. Successful companies value an educated workforce and informed vendors and clients. Whether your business is service or product-based, let us produce your business-to-business and business-to-consumer media in a budget-conscious way to help you get the most out of your media production dollars. Our systematic approach with actors, graphics, added video, and high-impact text will help you educate, inform, and excite your audience. We will deliver to you a professional video for your business in a week. Whether it is a learning management system content or training, corporate culture or marketing the team at Quick Cuts Media will be here to give you exactly what you need. For more information, please contact us at 844-277-2887 or visit us at www.quickcutsmedia.com. Now it is time for us to turn the show over to the voodoo child, Kenneth, as he gives his keys to the featured games. And welcome in to the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network. This is the Crunch Time Express. We are talking to college football playoffs once again. University of Georgia 
versus the University of Michigan. If you've listened to part one, I went through the entire game script of how I think this game is going to play out. But as we've gotten a little bit closer to kickoff and we're about 36 hours away or so before this game kicks off, wanted to kind of touch on some key things that we've um, looked at as far as uh, injury, as far as um, potential COVID situations, and then finally um, taking all of that compressed information and giving you some final thoughts on this ball game. Okay, so Georgia did experience a, a COVID um, breakout um, with um, their team uh, shortly after the SEC championship game. And while Kirby Smart expects to have a full roster, uh, will those players be at full strength? We won't know until we get into the game. We don't have a list of those players, and, and, and frankly, we didn't um, seek that information out. Um, but what I'm told is uh, it did affect both sides of um, of the team. So it wasn't just the offense. Um, we had some defensive players that um, had um, some touches of COVID. We don't know, like I said, what the extent was or how severe the symptoms are. Hopefully, each one of those young men are – are fully healthy, um, not only for this game, but but long-term as well. Okay. Um, in my interview with Taylor, you heard me mention the whispers um, that we um, are hearing from some very reliable sources that we have uh, with the University of Georgia program. JT Daniels um, is expected to see some snaps in this ball game at the quarterback position. Now, this is not like an Alabama situation from the past few years with Jalen Hurt and Tua because those two were in a position with each other and the team where it wasn't one or the other. Stetson Bennett, basically a walk-on quarterback, now the starting quarterback in a semifinal game is going to be looking over his shoulder. And does this young man play tight, trying not to make a mistake? Instead of taking a big shot, maybe just check it down and pick up three or four yards instead of letting it all hang out and throwing it up to um, whether it's Pickens or uh, Brock Bowers for a big time play down the field. So how does that situation um, manifest itself? We won't know until we actually get into the game. JT Daniels does not have the reps with those wide receivers and tight ends because one, he hasn't been able to practice. And then two, with the best wide receiver that Georgia has on its roster, George Pickens, he missed a majority of the season recovering from an ACL injury. So those thousands and thousands of reps that you would have gotten with your quarterback and wide receiver, I'm talking about from spring practice, summer workouts, 
fall camp, 13 games, including the SEC championship game, and then your bowl, your bowl practice. You're talking about a wide receiver and quarterback having thousands upon thousands of reps with each other to where that timing is absolutely precise. You're not going to have that as soon as JT Daniels comes in the ballgame. And then finally, does Kirby Smart turn loose this defense early in the ballgame, creating pressure on this Michigan team, knowing that it's going to expose his cornerbacks into one-on-one coverage? Because I don't think you can allow this Georgia, I'm sorry, this Michigan offensive line to dictate to your front seven of how this ball game is going to be played. I think whoever is the aggressor when Michigan has the ball and Georgia's defense is on the field and then flip it over to when that Georgia offense is on the field versus that Michigan defensive line, whoever sets the line of scrimmage for both teams will win this contest. We talked about the great pass rushers for Michigan, but they're going to actually have to be run stoppers on early downs. I think it's imperative that Todd Munkin change up his play calling and not be so run heavy on first down. I think he's got to throw a lot more on first down to where he's not so predictable. Run on first down, run on second down, throw on third down. I don't think you can put yourself in that kind of position because if Michigan can put you in third and chains, um, which uh, for you listeners, that's third and 10 or more. That's why it's called third and chains. If Michigan is able to put you in third and chains a lot in this ballgame, that's advantage Michigan all day long with those two pass rushes, knowing it's an obvious passing down. Uh, and those two defensive ends can absolutely tee off on your quarterback. For Michigan, you have to lean on what got you here. A dominant offensive line, the best in college football, Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. You have to present a strong run game in this ballgame, just like For um, Georgia, you too have to change up your play calling. Don't be surprised to see some J.J. McCarthy for Michigan and some Wildcat um, along with Kate McNamara and then pick up a first down and not substitute and basically pop J.J. out as a slot wide receiver, not allowing Georgia to substitute and then going kind of a little bit of modified tempo with a worn down uh, Jordan Davis, keeping him on the field, wearing him out in the second half. I think this is going to be a very low scoring first half. I think both teams are going to want to feel each other out and not make the critical mistake in this ball game. And I do believe that it's going to be a critical mistake that cost um, the losing team in this ball game. And it doesn't just mean a turnover. It could mean a bad call on going for it on fourth down, not taking the field goal early on in the ball game and trying to get seven. Guys, my rule is very simple. Always take the points in the first half. 
because those threes add up. And three points in the first half is just as critical as three points in the second half. Could a coaching mistake cost his team um, the ball game? Absolutely. So when I say mistakes, I don't mean a quarterback throwing an INT or a ball carrier fumbling the ball. Also, a coaching blunder in this ball game could absolutely um, cost his team at a chance of playing for the national championship on January 10th. Looking forward to a great ball game. As we've said in every podcast, our consensus play was taking Michigan at the plus seven and a half. You're starting to see that number trickle down as more Michigan money starts to come in. If you're going to be on the Georgia side, you may see some sevens or some soft six and a halves. If you're, if you're on that Georgia side, uh, you definitely want to try to get this under a touchdown. Our play is that um, this is a one-score ball game. And we're going to take Michigan to cover that seven and a half. Guys, it has been our pleasure uh, covering the college football regular season, um, as well as our two um, playoff games here. We will also do something special for the national championship game as a podcast and maybe even uh, do a live streaming show uh, during that national championship game. We're still trying to work that out, but on behalf of my entire team here at the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network, want to be the first to wish you a happy new year. And hopefully you and your family will be well in this upcoming 2022 season. For the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network, this is Kenneth, Senior Analyst. Have a great rest of your day. All aboard. Good night. God bless. We would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network. Special thanks to our sponsors, The Rebel Walk. You can visit their website at www.therebelwalk.com. David Walker, you can purchase a copy of his fantastic book I'll Tell You When You Are Good on Amazon. Quick Cut Media, for the best video production for you company head over to them at www.quickcutsmedia.com. I'm changing the narrative. Our good friend and mentor Rachel Barbo started this movement to improve the lives of current and former athletes. To learn more visit www.imchangingthenarrative.com. If you have missed any previous episodes of our podcast, you can find us on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Radio Public, and Breaker. You can also find the shows on our website at www.crunchtimesportsadvantage.com and in the follow us section you will find the links to our Twitter page at CrunchTimeVIP and our podcast and YouTube channel. You can hear Kenneth on Saturday mornings as he joins the Southern Gentleman Sports Show hosted by the Georgia Dog, Pac-12 Dave, Irish Bill, Noel Core, and Ms. Kelly Cash. For showtimes and how you can stream the show head over to wearesportsradio.com or southerngentlemansports.com. You can also hear Kenneth as he hosts a live Collins show talking all things Southeastern Conference football on Mark Rogers' The Voice of College Football SEC YouTube channel. Also be sure to join Kenneth and I on Sunday afternoons as we recap all the action from the weekend in college football. On behalf of Billy and Kenneth, this is Summer and until next time have a great rest of your day and all aboard.